1: You are listening to a podcast, not just any podcast, but the 19th podcast of the Something on My Mind program. I am David.
2: And I am Cindy.
1: All right. Welcome to this week's program. In this podcast, Cindy and I use our professional backgrounds to cover all things finance, and we mix in an offbeat story or two to give you a break from everyday reality. And Our mission, as always, is to improve your financial fitness, and we like to do all of this with a side of humor. As a show reminder, please follow us on Instagram using somm.podcast, or if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to somethingonmymind.net. All right, so what's on the docket this week? What is the something that is on our minds? For the financial topic of the week, we cover lottery winners and or those that come into large sums of money, typically by way of inheritance. Often is the case that people receive these large sums of money, but do not have the responsibility or the understanding of how to handle the wealth. So we will go through some tips and cover some stories out there from people that you can learn from so that in case you actually ever come into some money, you might have a good handle on what to do with it. And in the coronavirus montage, our first story covers Microsoft and TikTok. TikTok has an executive order against it that it must shut down in the next 45 days or be sold to an American company. And it looks like that company in the forefront is Microsoft. So we'll discuss the story and the benefits of why Microsoft would take on this acquisition. And for the second story, we revisit dishwashing. A few weeks ago, we discussed how people are using more water just to clean the dishes than it takes just to wash them in the dishwasher. The Cascade Company has a commercial that says you'll use less water if you just run the dishes every night by not even filling it up than it is just to rinse them in the sink. So that means less water used, and that means it's better for our environment. And for the last story, we go back to covering our buddies, the cicadas. Many of us know that in summer, they provide a nice concert in your backyard or the field, However, their populations may be depleting due to a fungus that's been coming off mushrooms. And in case you are wondering, yes is the answer to these are the same type of mushrooms that humans have been eating in the past to get psychedelic effects. So we'll look deeper into this story, and hopefully we'll have our red-eyed and long-winged friends around for many decades to come. Okay, now it's time for the round table, and this is where we have no script, we just let it rip. All right, I'm going to start it this week. And we were eating dinner out with the kids the other day, right? And uh, although very weird eating with masks, but it was nice. Well, we didn't,
2: you can't eat with masks. So we took our masks off
1: meaning, at the table. Meaning just walking around with yeah. masks or the the, the wait staff. I'm
2: kind of getting used to that.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I think
2: it's just becoming, It's. It. I'm forgetting about it.
1: I know that we all be I like to see
2: people's mouths move when they talk, but. Otherwise.
1: I mean, we adapt to everything, I guess, but I don't know. It's still just not free-flowing. It's like we had to wait in the car in order to get into the restaurant. Yeah, that's weird. Right? Yep. With that being said, though, it was nice, and it was outside, so Mm -hmm. that was cool. And the one thing we did bring up was that we haven't been able to vacation.
2: I know. I know. We had a lot planned this year.
1: And we used to do an annual trip with the kids, and they're all older now, so... Going on these trips are different because they're out of the house, but we wanted to maybe do one more big one before it gets too late, if you will.
2: Yeah, next year. I think we should do that.
1: Well, we talked about a story of uh, going out west when we were in Washington and Oregon, mm-hmm. right? Oh,
2: that trip. That trip was great and we're just the same. Remember the whole first day when we got into Seattle because we flew into Seattle. We were going to drive to Portland and then drive back to Seattle Like we were gonna end in Washington. Yeah, we had we had a long stretch of days. We fly out of there. Yeah. So yeah,
1: gnarly food poisoning. Well, we had nowhere to eat. We were all super hungry, and we went to um.
2: Rob Red Robin. What is it called?
1: Yeah, Red Robin. Round Robin. No, Red Robin. Red Robin. Mm.
2: Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) We don't usually eat there, but they had gluten free buns, and so we all thought this was a great. Idea. just a
2: quick stop right before we hit the road to portland
1: so i everybody got their food and you got some sort of chicken or something right well
2: you guys all got hamburgers every single one of you got a burger and i ordered a chicken burger or like a chicken breast whatever sandwich
1: all right so that was all well and good we ate started to hit the road 3 hour trip maybe <laughs> an hour in?
2: If, if an hour. Like, I don't know. It was like 25 minutes. It felt like right away, but less than an hour, I'd say. And...
1: Um, Explain to the audience. <laughs> you
2: need to find the nearest gas station now. And that was like what every, I'd say, 20 minutes that this food, not it was not... It was mm-hmm.
1: finding an exit hole. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, to try to find a, a nice euphemism of description.
2: Oh, the what some people call it the big D right not that I want to give my disgusting secrets away but that trip like that's how it started that was bad anyway remember we got like probably halfway between and I ran out of the car I'm like crying like stop now I mean it was bad remember I grabbed my wallet for some reason God knows why I don't know and then I left it in that nasty bathroom, whatever gas station it was, in the middle
1: of nowhere. I'm gonna say twenty miles, twenty minutes. Oh, every bit of somewhere in there. All of a sudden, you go, "I don't have my wallet." I'm like, "Where's your wallet?" Like, "Well, I don't know," and you start frantically looking for it. You're like, "I think I left it in the bathroom." (laughs) I gotta admit, I got a little pissed on that one.
2: Oh, the whole family was like, "You what? You no?" I mean, and we were every bit of twenty miles away from that. First of all, and and. We were just pulling in, this was our day one, hour three, and every single card that we shared that was going to be that trip's credit cards was in that wallet in the bathroom in the middle of Oregon Nowhere.
1: And you're not at home. Yeah. So you feel even more helpless. What would we have
2: done? I mean, everything the debit card, the credit card, the backup credit card, everything was in there. We don't carry a lot of cash.
1: I don't know. Well, anyway, I don't want to go down that road, but I turned the car around and the entire family was pissed. And the one thought running through my head is, how on earth does someone who has a problem right now several times over and over think to bring a wallet into the bathroom?
2: I really have no idea. So anyway, that was like day one, hour three, But but they did recover it. This lady was looking for me. She handed it into the gas station attendant, which was amazing. So
1: then... So part two of the story is that we are getting ready to go to Washington, right?
2: Right, back to Seattle, and then we would fly out of Seattle.
1: Right, so we had, you know, another half trip left. So Justin goes up to the store to get something, right? Cool. Comes back.
2: Yeah, well, we shouldn't have let him drive it in the first place, but... Probably not. Rental.
1: So the driveway that he's parking in is on an angle.
2: This is at the house we rented in Portland.
1: So at the end point of the driveway, this triangle point sticks out where there's a tree.
2: And... Right by the tree is a chicken coop.
1: Right. So he parks the car successfully, and then there's a couple more cars there, and he wants to kind of align it a little better, right? Well, because
2: we had friends. Friends that lived in Portland came to visit. So he felt like he was – we just talked about this the other night. He said, I felt like I was blocking their car and not going to give them enough room to get out. So he went back outside, sort of unbeknownst to us, and – wanted to fix the angle of the car so he could be courteous to them, except for. So then there's
1: like a noise and then we find red pieces on the ground, right? So he hits the tree, breaks the taillight, and then part of the undercarriage of the car, it's like the cover of the undercarriage of the car kind of just covers up the parts so that dirt and grime and rocks don't get into it. That's hanging down and part of the quarter panel. and, And the
2: screws were down and yeah, I mean, it was. It was a mess. I mean the rear lake was all over the ground and he dented their tree, but thank God that tree was there. He would have taken that chicken coop down.
1: Yeah, so luckily the owners were pretty cool about it. Yeah,
2: they lived in the house right next door and then rented out the Airbnb we were in. So they came out. I mean, I don't they're cool. I don't think they were happy, but they they said that they'll use that as one of their renter memories.
1: All in all, it was very little damage to the tree. But it doesn't look great. So Anyway, we're going back to Washington now, right? And, and now we have to deal with this thing. And it's like, okay, what's this car going to cost me? Because we use our insurance. We don't use the damage waiver, which is still fine. But it, it's a claim on your insurance, right? And technically, Justin, he's under 25.
2: Exactly. So you can't rent a car if you're that's under a, 25.
1: Yeah. And that's a mistake we made. We shouldn't have done that.
2: I should have never sent him to the store.
1: I didn't even know he was at the store. I know. It's a so bad
2: mom decision.
1: That was a bad mom decision. Okay, so with that being said, we're like, what on earth are we going to do? So Uh, I'm like... We were
2: like ready to strangle him. We were laughing at dinner the other night when he was saying like, I was freaking out. I knew I was going to come in and you guys were probably going to kill me.
1: I just said to him like, listen, dude... Sometimes in life is a good lesson. Do what satisfies the need. Right. Was the car good where it was? He says, yes. I said, did you have to move it? He said, no. I said, that's a life lesson. Don't always go over and above the what you need to if it satisfies the need because it leads to other things. Right. So anyway, good, good I'm like, advice. okay, let's go hit up Amazon. Let's go look at the car. I think it was a Hyundai seven-seater or something. Whatever, I don't know whatever yeah. it was. I don't even know what it was. We start doing some digging. I go, go price this thing out. And so we have like three price days. Price the light out. Right. So yeah. we have three days left. Actually... He found a part, not on Amazon, but it led us there. And I said, well, order it, get it, like, get on the phone. I wanted him to do this. Get on the phone and get it Federal Express shipped overnight. Pay for it. You know, we'll cover it. We'll get her done, right? To the
2: next house that we were renting in Seattle. So when
1: when we show up at the rental house, the box is already on the porch. It was already
2: on the porch. And that auto part store was so great because he did get on the phone. He actually negotiated a deal on that light, too, if you remember. And then...
1: Yes, so I went to the local Home Depot. I got the right tool that I could use, it had some funky screws on it, figured it out, put the light in, made it look like new, tested the brakes. Awesome, right? <laughs> and then I bought Gorilla Glue, and then I said, Justin, get underneath there and glue that little uh, cover back to where well, it was. Yeah, was
2: it like weren't you gluing the screws on there or whatever? They're I like, mean, we were budging they're, the they're car. Like,
1: they're, the screws on there are Phillip type. Right. They go in, but they don't go in like a screw. So you got to bang them in and pop them in, right. right? So they fell out. So I'm like, just glue the damn thing. <laughs> and then and the quarter panel, they did have those like kind of inserts. And I was, I worked on the auto companies for a while and actually learned how to put. Uh, body kits on cars i was able to get in there manipulate the quarter panel oh and get that thing oh my god i forgot about that put right up in there so all that experience way back in the day literally
2: that car looked like it didn't have one little scratch on it there but it wasn't scratched it was all like underneath in the lights so. i mean
1: if they looked underneath they probably could have dinged us for something but we pulled right in they looked at it and said okay great left and no you know, so anyway We're
2: not model citizens at that moment nope. although very very ingenious
1: So we always say in this podcast that we like to talk about stories that when you're put into a spot, what are you going to do? What are you going
2: to do? I know. That was actually, actually, that turned out to be a great trip overall. So thanks, Justin, for (laughs) supplying so many of our funny stories. And he knows I have to disclaim. He does know. I told him, I'm like, maybe I'll talk about this one on the podcast. Like,
1: go ahead. Yep. Thank you for all the (laughs) entertainment. All right. So that's going to do it for this week's roundtable. And we will get on to the next subject. Okay, now it's time to get on to our financial topic of the week, and this has to do with the lottery. And this could also include people who come into a sudden windfall, for example, by the way of an inheritance. All right, right off the bat, what's the math? What is your chances of winning one of those big, giant lotteries? Okay, for the Mega Millions jackpot, it's 1 in 302 million, and for the Powerball, it's 1 in 292 million.
2: Yeah, I'm reading here. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning, which is one and one point two two million.
1: So the one question people always think of at some point or another in topics like this is what is the largest payout ever? So I went and looked it up and I didn't do it by the total jackpot, which is like one point five billion, I believe. I went by a single individual winner and that person won seven hundred and fifty eight million seven hundred thousand dollars. Oh,
2: my gosh. I don't think I'd want to win that much money. You know, people are going to think we're crazy or I'm crazy, but I wouldn't.
1: So I went and put some math together and this individual took the lump sum payout, which was $480 million. So I said, okay, let's just say this person's going to live for 50 more years. So that would mean it would take $9.6 million to be burned every year just to do that. That also comes out to 800 a month, $2,666 a day, or $444 per hour. Or seven dollars and forty cents a second. Wow! Fifty years of spending seven dollars and forty cents a second. I I couldn't do it. That's twenty four seven. So don't I think of it as like do don't it. think of it as like working hours per week. That's just straight up living. So I think there's two common thoughts here: is if I won the lottery, what would I do with the money? Oh. And let's just say you know we don't. It, I mean, that's a great question. And you know what people win is all relative to somebody else. But let's say it's a pretty significant amount of money where you probably could say, I don't have to work for the rest of my life. Let's just call it, for most people, they would even say $2 million. But let's call it $20 million. Right. You win $20 million, what do you do with it?
2: Charity, giveaway, put it in trust for my kids, future grandkids. I mean, I would protect my future legacy is what I would do. But you and I couldn't spend $20 million. I mean, we could. I shouldn't say that. We just wouldn't.
1: I don't think we would. But we're very disciplined and experienced and older. So let's ease it up a little bit. Let's take somebody who really didn't have a lot of money or isn't like financially savvy like us. Right. Generally just speaking, I want all this money. What do you do with it besides those things? Because no. the next thought is I have friends and family.
2: I can tell you that we watch that. My lottery dream home show on HGTV, which I love because it, it really does put in perspective the minute someone wins that kind of money, even the, you know, 500000 to a million dollar winners, they're going out and buying things way beyond their means. For example, the 5,000 square foot lake house or the cars or the toys out front. And it's just that instant gratification without even thinking about the future. Then there's that occasional couple or person that wins and they go in and buy way less than they can afford, which we always think is cool. They're being actually smart with their money.
1: Maybe it, that just has to do with who they are as a person.
2: Or upbringing or teaching or just, you know, maybe maybe that's that. Maybe they've been taught that money doesn't last forever if you just go out and blow it.
1: So another common thing, though, is the friends and family, right? People say, hey, I want to take care of my, my oh, posse. Yeah. I want to take care of my... F-
2: posse? <laughs> do it? <you, laughs> uh, <laughs> The, that's the great thing we the, we don't have a posse, so there would be no posse to take care of in our world.
1: Just sounded very. You don't cool. even have friends. I that's not true, but I'm very, <laughs> but I'm very individualistic. But I have no posse. Right. I just sounded cool to say it. Yeah. But in, depending on your situation, that's one of the common mistakes that people make by going bankrupt is right. they give it all away. Not only spending it, but they give it away because. People think they have deep pockets and I got to take care of my family.
2: Yeah. And I mean, remember the story and you know this well, but my ex-husband inherited a lot of money at one point and it was not mine. I kept it separate. We were not in a good marriage. I wanted nothing to do with this. So at the time I'm like whatever that's your money and I just remember he would call me and it was the tech bubble so he had all this money and he was chasing it up and he was as these high tech stocks were driving up he would call you know screaming at me and I'm like you're so dumb (laughs) this is not the right time to buy and then he would show up with a Lincoln Navigator in the driveway that he'd pay cash for and then. I don't like music equipment that was worth thousands to, you know, $50,000 and things that he wasn't even in a band. I mean, he, he wasn't not a famous musician, but, you know, it was like every other week that he was just thought, you know, I don't have to work and I can just spend this money. And by the time we divorced, he was destitute and broke, couldn't even, you know, get an apartment for rent because he didn't work and, He didn't claim income, so, you know, on your own, dude. Put everything in the driveway. Here, here's all your fancy music equipment. Go sell it.
1: Dude, let's get the
2: let out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, he got caught up in the dot-com bubble that you were mentioning earlier. For those of you who don't know what that is, that was from 1995 to 2000 at its peak, and basically it fell from grace by 78% by 2002. Oh, yeah, and
2: by the way, he was on margin, heavily on margin.
1: Which we talked about in the Robin Hood podcast. right. Either way,
2: but that he had the lottery syndrome. Okay. So it was like all this money that he had come into. And I would just say, you don't work to supplement that. So you're, you're not bringing in what's going out. So what's going out, you're not even making the interest on that to supplement what's what you're spending.
1: Well, here's the cool thing is that this was before my time, but because this man did not pay taxes, And Cindy and I do have options, like we said, and we've been making some money. And I talked to the CPA. He said that you have losses from the past that are carry forward.
2: So what this means is because he was buying high and selling low, he had these huge amount of losses. So any realized gains that we have when we sell stock, I have all these losses that I get to apply to that gain. So we don't have a huge tax liability.
1: So for example, if you made $100,000 in profit and a capital gain, and you have $100,000 in carry forward, that would balance each other out and be zero.
2: Right. So you wouldn't have to pay tax on that. That was the one great thing I did walk away with. My kids and that very large carry forward.
1: So I was thinking if I did win the lottery, and I I have done this before, just as one of those hyperbole type things where, now granted, I don't have a big family, so it helps. But I'm like, I would sit there and say, listen, I'm going to give everybody the same lump sum of money. Let's just say $2 million, brothers, nieces, nephews, parents, in-laws, outlaws, whatever, This the immediate family, and that's it. You get this money, you blow it, don't come and ask me for more of it. And that's like... Well,
2: and I mean, it's not I, the it, obligation of that. No, it's more but, the, I would set up the, the kids, the nephews, the nieces, the college funds.
1: Well, see what happens though, that doesn't get talked about a lot, and this happens in everyday society on top of it, is that... When you establish your career or become a certain kind of person in life or you like certain hobbies or whatever that may be, it's the birds of the same feather flock together type of adage, right? Right. So usually it's based on education, religion, values, family, money, things like that. And there's usually two or three ties into certain things that you hang out with people that are like you in those categories. Right. If you start making all this money because of the lottery, you can't relate to the other people around you because they know you have a ton of money. And if your lifestyle changes a lot, which most people do with it, because usually when you make more, you spend more, it can actually cause a rift in your life with your friends and society because you're not the same person and you're not and Well, it,
2: and they know. I mean, people will hunt you down, and that's the thing. The the number of people that win the lottery is very, very small. And there's actually a multitude of stories out there that talk about people that have won the lottery that are actually broke within Five
1: years or less. Like athletes, for example, like in the NFL, it says that 68% of all of them go bankrupt. And NBA, I think, is 75% within about that time frame of two to three years, somewhere in there. Now, that's not lottery, but that's a lot of money in a short period of time for many of them. And this all goes back to the same thing, is if you're not financially disciplined with your money,
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: I had a conversation one time with my brother about this, just messing around up north, talking about if you won the lottery. But here's the thing, is that in many of the states, you have to be identified. You can't go anonymous. So we broke it down and saying, I would be willing to even change my name temporarily and go in a wheelchair wear a hat and have facial hair and glasses and just completely... You literally
2: need to remain anonymous. Completely disguise myself.
1: So if I came in under Joe Scott, then I could go back and just change my name back later so that no one knows that I won.
2: You are basically a target the minute you have money
1: Okay, so why don't we throw some tips out here just in case one of our faithful listeners actually wins the lottery or someone they know may win.
2: I hope I'm that faithful listener. You don't count. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, first and foremost, protect your ticket. You want to make sure that you sign it and then put it somewhere safe.
1: A great place would be a safe deposit box. Right.
2: Right. And then make sure you make a copy of it. So at a minimum, make a paper or digital copy. You know, digital would probably be your best bet. And don't rush to claim your prize. I mean, that's one big thing that... Yeah,
1: that's the thing is like, think about it. Try to soak it in. Try to come up with a game plan. Just, again, think about it before you actually go and cash that ticket in. Because once you do, your life will be forever changed.
2: Right. And you're going to attract media attention. When you claim your prize, they have to announce who you are. So... That's public, that's posted.
1: That's why Joe Scott in a wheelchair with a hat and a beard and glasses <laughs> under, a new, right, under an assumed name, they won't know. All right, here's a big one, especially if you're not winning the big lottery, right? right? Let's say it's 500 grand, and I know that sounds like a lot to many people, and it is, but many people still have to work, they have to live their lives. So with that being said, Don't go out and just quit your day job. No,
2: you don't want to do that. And you don't want to spread the news of this good fortune, most of all to your employers or anybody in your work or organization that you work at, because immediately they're going to know you're going to quit. They might even start looking for your replacement before then, but you just do not want anybody clawing at you at that point.
1: People have been killed over winning lottery money. We have some
2: great stories. Right. And then, you know, coming from, of course, my world is make sure the minute you get this, you hire a professional. A professional meaning a financial advisor, a tax attorney, someone who understands tax laws. You might need a prenuptial agreement. You need wills, trust. Wills,
1: trust, right.
2: I mean, there's a multitude of things that you have to plan for. And this this is no different than our conversation really on when you inherit large sums of money. There's a very rigorous step to the process that when you get this money, money that you may have not had before, I've seen it go quickly. People that inherit money that, you know, in a year and it's young, it's usually somebody young and somebody that doesn't have the right amount of guidance. That's why
1: a lot of times more and more people are doing trusts where they say, listen, I might, let's just say someone has a million dollars and they're like, listen, I am going to give it to my grandson for 50 grand a year over 20 years. I'm not just giving them all the money because people are undisciplined. Typically they're not capable of handling the wealth and that responsibility. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of planning. And I mean, and and you know what, also, if you come into any money, make sure that you interview more than one financial advisor, don't go with the first one, unless it's somebody well known in your family or a friend that you can trust, right? Because people can be greedy, business managers can be greedy, life coaches can be greedy. These are the kind of people out here when they know you come into found wealth, that you got to be really careful about the choices that you make.
2: Yeah, and I think this will reserve for another podcast because that's a really, really great piece of advice is making sure that you are going to somebody that you can trust. And I will be happy to spend time on another podcast talking about how to look for a good financial advisor.
1: Okay, so why don't we kick out a couple of real-life stories that we have found, and some of them are really kind of crazy.
2: It's amazing. So I, I love this story because this just goes back to our, you know, when we used to play at work. But this construction worker in New Jersey, and I won't name his name, quit his job, lied about it, claiming that he needed foot surgery, all according to reports from the New York Times. And after finally coming clean to a former colleague, the colleague and a few others ganged up on this guy for not splitting the winnings as promised. They were all playing together. And so in a fraud suit, the co-workers claimed that they had all pitched in for the winning ticket, and the court ordered this guy to split the prize.
1: Well, what a jerk. What, what an asshole. You, what?
2: <laughs> no, that's called greed.
1: Either way, he owed the money. He's a jerk. Yes, he owed the money. <laughs> Here's another one. A 55-year-old man won $315 million in 2002 and he went and broke four years later. His grandfather and daughter died soon after from drug overdoses, which he attributes to the money, and he was robbed of $545,000 sitting in his car while he was at a strip club. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't mean to live, but first of uh, all, what are you doing with that kind of money in a car? And No, why are you how, getting it? How, how many, You need 545,000 singles, singles. To, put in, <laughs> to put into the G-string. He, yeah. Like, he's gonna be making oh, a lo- man i
2: wish i was a stripper at that he's gonna be making a lo- that night they see him walking and go
1: oh it's 12 dollar beer night right and so it's raised the price on this lap guy. dance
2: sure oh my $800. god eight hundred dollars gonna wear these women out <laughs> oh my god um i like you this got one. the soccer
1: moms coming in to step on the stage right That's like right. hey listen you want to make some quick cash right now there's this is dude here <laughs>
2: five hundred thousand dollars worth of singles in his car Okay, so this one is crazy. This couple in Ontario walked away with $5 million in 1991, lot 0649 drawing, but she didn't tell her husband how she decided to spend it. So when her husband found out that she gave $2 million of her fortune to a secret child she'd had with another man, he poisoned her with painkillers. So he was convicted on manslaughter charges, and reportedly asked her family to help foot the bill for her funeral.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I,
2: I can't. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I,
1: actually, I, I remember this Bud Light commercial where this right. guy's on the phone. He's, like, on a payphone. He's talking to his girl, and uh, he's breaking up with her. And in the process, at the same time, she's like, oh, my God, I just won the lottery. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's, it's, like, two lady already said, like, I uh, oh. He's oh, like, oh, man. So I don't shit. know. Wait. Oh, wrong girl. Shit. Right. And then, uh. At the end of the commercial, he's got two or three of his buddies calling her up going, hey, uh, hey, hey, Joni, are you available? What are you up to? You want to go out? Right. All right. So now that we're this deep into the podcast, I think we've proven some points that money can be the root of all evil.
2: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I remember growing up, my mom would always say, marry for money. You can always learn to love later. <laughs> and I found a quote by the mother of Barbara Walters who said, you don't have to marry for money, hang around the rich and marry for love. I think this is a really good conversation of any money that you come into.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's not just lottery. It's if you come into money and uh, more people come into it than you think because people pass away and they give inheritance. And so it all comes down to the point of your discipline. Regardless, if you're not good with your money, you have to put those discipline factors into your life or you won't succeed. It doesn't matter if you made a hundred thousand dollars and then all of a sudden you came into two million dollars. If you don't manage your money, you'll lose it. Right. Okay, with all that being said, I think it's time for the recap. All right. Number one, be discreet. That means if you get a winning lottery ticket or get a large inheritance, make sure that you don't just go out and tell everybody. Make sure that you get a plan. Soak in what's happening to you so that you can understand how you want to gauge this thing. How do you want to approach it? Also, sign that ticket because then your name's on it, you have ownership, and then put it away in safekeeping. Take something digitally that can be stored in the cloud or go to a safe deposit box to secure it.
2: Number two, put together a crack team. As David always says, our crack staff, you want that team that you're going to need a lawyer, an accountant, a financial advisor, all people that have experience that you know that you can trust to surround yourself with all the decision-making with respect to taxes, with respect to estate planning, and with respect to how to invest it and how to manage it. And that goes into number three, prepare a budget. No matter how much money you have, you're going to want to budget that so that is not gone within a year, within five years. Make a solid plan. Figure out, write down your personal, financial, lifestyle, family, charity goals, and then go back to that plan and make sure that that's exactly how you want your money to work for you and your legacy to know that you did the right estate planning in the long run.
1: Number four don't quit your day job. If you've come into a significant amount of money, maybe you don't have to work anymore. But if you're not winning the big bucks, don't quit your day job. Because that means if you won a half a million dollars, for example, and you have 20 more years of work, that's not enough money to retire on. And keep in mind, when you win lottery money, you have to pay taxes. So it's not like if you won a million that you get to keep the million. So think about what you want to do. If you come into a large amount of money where you don't have to work, Have a plan, don't be bored, have purpose, fill your life up. It's very important.
2: And number five, remember, money doesn't buy happiness. It helps, believe me. But in the end, you want to make sure that you are budgeting and spending right and saving right and planning right, or it can really destroy you.
1: Number six, in truth, there's never really a good reason to play the lottery. That's right. You're just giving your money away. All right. Very good information. And with that being said, that will finish our main financial topic of the week. And that means we'll move on to the next subject. All right. Now it's time for this week's coronavirus montage. This is where we often do a set of stories that are not found in the mainstream media so that we can give you a break from everyday life. Okay, for this first story, we are going to go off base, meaning it is in the mainstream media. And this has to do with TikTok. I imagine just about everyone out there has heard that TikTok is going to be pursued by Microsoft to be purchased. And this is because Donald Trump has put in an executive order in that TikTok must sell their U.S. operations due to mainly security issues. And this makes sense because the Chinese have had a long-standing history of stealing our IP, or otherwise known as intellectual property. And the security flaws is really what everybody's concerned with here in the U.S.
2: Yeah, actually, there's a Forbes article that talks about how the U.S. armed forces have forbidden personnel from using it, describes it as a threat to cybersecurity, which is what you're saying. And Israeli cybersecurity company Checkpoint has investigated it and concluded that it has backdoors and large security flaws. And actually Reddit CEO and co-founder Steve Huffman describes it as a fundamentally parasitic app that is always listening. It's spyware.
1: So the deal with this is that who's going to get the company right? And no one really knew about that when the executive order started. And all of a sudden it became known that Microsoft was in talks with ByteDance for some time now. And so the question came up, which was, why is it Microsoft? But if you think about it, you had Apple, Facebook, Alphabet, otherwise known as Google, on the Hill talking about their practices. And so with that being said, what big giant company can handle security and have the developers to transfer all of their code? And naturally, that's Microsoft. Now, they don't have a presence except for LinkedIn, which doesn't count for social media. But if you add all that up, it's a pretty logical choice because we don't know if anybody else could really do this work or have the money to buy the company. So it looks like they say it's valued at 50 billion and that's the word on the street if you will but some people in the US believe it's 10 to 50 billion. So the whole point is Microsoft is probably going to get this company for a song meaning very cheap, right?
2: Yeah. And I can't even imagine why Microsoft would want to take this on when it clearly poses a clear risk to children. Apple claimed that it had caught TikTok using clipboard capture mechanisms to spy on millions of users. I mean, it is known to be linked directly to spyware, China having controls over this. I I don't get the allure. I mean, I'm freaking out that our kids are on this every day. You're
1: looking at it from the wrong aspect in that, I think you're not looking at the big picture, meaning it's about business. There are 100 million users in the U.S. on this app, and they're also going after New Zealand and Australia and a couple other places. 100 million users with an app that's not even monetized yet. But aside from that, the security part is that Microsoft, they're the number two cloud provider in the world. So cloud meaning they have to be secure, but the thing is is that they have the technical expertise to shore all of this up.
2: Yes, because TikTok is truly viewed as a cybersecurity nightmare. I mean, they're just saying all of these analysts who are out there that has been saying this for a while that it can't be fixed. Its problems lie in its very conception and the culture behind it. So it's like a plague. I I know that our kids are completely addicted to it. On top of that cybersecurity threat, it's like an addictive app. I mean...
1: Like, for example, Haley has a timer she puts every day to say, I can only watch this much TikTok.
2: Wow. Hey, at least (laughs) that makes me feel good that our child is
1: disciplined in that manner. She actually breaks through that rule. Yeah. Wow. I know. Summertime, she's home from school. But here's the thing. Microsoft has obviously looked into it, and they feel that they can fix it in a way that makes it secure because they're seeing the monetizing value. This could be a game changer. This is like a threat to Instagram for Facebook, for example. This is a big deal if you're their business, and they can get it for dirt cheap. And the last point here is that our government's saying, listen, ByteDance, Dance, if you don't sell the company, we're gonna shut you down. So this means their negotiation power is gonna be limited and they're gonna take whatever they get, probably. For this next story, I wanted to do a follow-up from a prior podcast when it talked about putting these finished quantum gel packs in your dishwasher, and that they were saying that you can use up to twenty gallons of water just to rinse the dishes, and their commercial said, Listen, Just put your dishes in the dishwasher and they'll come out clean and we could save 150 billion gallons a year. And then this week I saw a Cascade commercial and they're saying, listen, if you have an Energy Star rated dishwasher, all you use is four gallons. So they're telling you, don't even fill up your dishwasher. When you're finished every night with whatever you have, you throw it in the dishwasher, shut the door and wash it. Again, because you're using way less water, maybe up to five times per se, than it is to go fill the dishwasher up with the rinsing beforehand. Thank you,
2: Cascade. You just... Let's see. How long have we been married? And how long have I said I'm going to run the dishwasher? And you basically run interference and check me into the boards to tell me do not run the dishwasher, not until it's full. And then you proceed to pile dish upon dish, which it can't even get clean the way you stack it. So un- thank you, Cascade. You say no more, David. Listen, that's say un- no more. Untrue. Uh,
1: zip. Untrue. Zip. There's no zip. You didn't wash the dishes <laughs> no. when they weren't full because of Cascade. I don't know why you do it. No,
2: because I wanted them done. That there's like Zip.
1: there's like two plates
2: two plates and a next story fork. Next story. Moving
1: on. Like what's going on here, man? Moving on. Anyway, so food for thought. So if you're Cascade, very smart because you're thinking, wait a minute, if they bind to what I'm selling then I'm gonna use more of Cascade's products to keep washing them every night.
2: That's right.
1: But if you have a family of five, you're probably doing a full load anyway. But people like us, if you're just a... This cin- is great.
2: Now all the kids are going back to school and it's just me and you and I can have clean dishes every day.
1: Rock and roll. All right, for this final story here, we want to go back to our buddies, the cicadas. And when you get into late summer, which is August, and we're at August 6th right now, and we can hear them right out the window. Oh, it's
2: great. And here we are. Now we're sitting, the windows are open. These amazing cicadas are in are singing in the background.
1: It's like a concert at the Hollywood Bowl.
2: Literally. Right? A cacophony of sounds.
1: But there is a warning out there, and that is that these, uh, well, have you ever known anybody to do mushrooms?
2: Mushrooms? Um, I have not myself, but yes. <laughs> are you kidding? I grew up in the 80s,
1: man. Uh, so did I. <laughs> so with that being said, I did find an article about our friends, and uh, they're eating mushrooms and they're starting to get psychedelic effects the cicadas yeah (laughs) for them it's like the night of the living dead because it has some real problems and i guess it's been building up for years in their abdomens what so basically what happens is the fungus takes over and the cicadas lose their limbs and their body parts are eaten away right but what happens is is that they flicker their wings and it makes (sighs) them sound like females so the males come to the males and realize they're not going to mate but they got drawn there and then when they touch the males They get the fungus, and it keeps spreading.
2: Oh, my God. That's crazy.
1: I know. It's crazy. That's
2: gnarly. That is such a gnarly story.
1: This makes you wonder sometimes, could this happen to us? Like the zombie apocalypse, right? And they're saying here that it doesn't affect humans, so we're cool. But when you see those movies, you kind of think for a second, like, (laughs) Oh, it is don't. totally possible that something like this could happen. It's is going to get if, in my head. If it's in nature, it, all possibilities are on the table. Yeah.
2: No, nature at its best. Great story.
1: All right. So time to queue up. Zombieland, I Am Legend, Night of the Living Dead, The Blob, and my all-time favorite, the John Carpenter's 1981, The, the Thing. The
2: Thing. I knew you were going to say that. Your favorite
1: movie. Oh, is that a great movie? It's gross. Oh, maybe gross. we got to have a movie weekend coming up. It's But you know what? It's low budget. John Carpenter, you know, he did Halloween and all that, right? But it's the actors are really good. They're really known people. If you looked at him today, like Kurt Russell, Keith David, and people like that, right? Wasn't that so,
2: Jeff Goldblum too?
1: No, he was in the fly. That's where he teleports and a fly gets into one of the chambers and then eventually he starts turning into the human fly. Okay, so that'll do it for this week's coronavirus montage. And that will do it for this week's program. As a show reminder, please catch us on Instagram using SOMM.podcast. And if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to somethingonmymind.net. So until then, until next week, I am David.
2: And I am Cindy.